this morning, if I told you uh, it's time for you to get off the fence, uh, it's time for you to stop what you're doing, it's time for you to change your plans, change your plans from what you wanted to do, change the course of your life. If I told you it's time for you to get off the couch and to start doing, uh, what would your response be? Uh, I think for most of us, when people tell us to move, we say, why? Why should I move? Why should I quit doing what I'm doing? Why should I change my course? Why should I change my plans? Why should I get off the couch? I like sitting on my couch. Or in my case, the big chair. I like the big chair. And in, in just being skeptical by nature and maybe even being a little comfortable in my life, I go, convince me. Convince me to do something different. Um, I struggled in saying if this is accurate, but I, I think it's accurate in that most of us think about Jesus that way. We think, yeah, uh, Jesus is nice, but why should I move? Why should I change my plans? Why should I change my course? Why should I do something different and get up and follow Jesus? This morning, that kind of stirs my thoughts as I look at the passage that we're going to go through this morning. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, I realize that I've already preached this message, uh, but most of you can't remember it. I would even say all of us probably can't remember it, myself included. Uh, and so we'll do it again, and I, I won't do it next week, though, I promise you. Uh, week to week, I think at least one person has a good memory. But uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Joseph, the the interaction that Joseph has and his initial thoughts and an angelic visit uh, that Joseph experiences. And I would like to read to you ver from verse 19 down to the end of the chapter. If you'd stand in honor of God's word. God's word says this. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man. And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. I got to ask your blessing on your word. I ask that you would help us to embrace the one named Jesus, the one who came, the one who is a savior. God, help us to see clearly our need for Jesus today. 
We pray this in His name. Amen. You may be seated. So, it's probably hard for all of us to some degree to imagine what was going through Joseph's mind. He's betrothed. He's uh, committed. Uh, in biblical times, it would have been thought of as a marriage. And he finds that his wife is with child, that she's pregnant. He knows it's not his. He knows what his life has been about, but he questions her life. And it says that uh, he wanted to do that which is righteous. I think about it, most of us make decisions not based upon what's righteous, but based upon what selfish is, what we just want to do. And as Joseph struggled, undoubtedly he felt betrayed, undoubtedly he felt shame, undoubtedly all these other thoughts, but it says of him that he wanted to do what was right. He wanted to do that which was right in the eyes of God, and so he struggled. I can imagine him finding the news and he goes, What? Oh, I, uh, what do I do now? It says that his... Uh, solution was to divorce her quietly, divorce her quietly, to somehow cover her shame and his own shame and somehow do this in in secret so that he would be able to do what's right, but also cover the shame. But it says that he got an angelic message and the portion we're going to look at this morning is just one verse, verse 21. And I have four things to share with you about this angelic message, the part of verse 21, that I think is important for us to embrace as we think of who this baby was. I'm reminded that uh, everyone gets excited about a baby. Uh, Babies are cute. Uh, All babies are cute, some in a homely sort of way, but uh, others, they're they're all cute. There's something great about having a baby. I remember um, something happened, and, and people get excited about babies no matter what. But the excitement and the joy that should come in us is not because a baby was born at Christmas, but really who the baby was. And so we'll look at how the angel shared with Joseph some four things about this baby that was to be born. The first thing I want to point out to you is that there was an angelic ultrasound. Uh, I know that young moms now, as they get pregnant, there's there's this great anticipation of the doctor's visits. And they put this little thing on your belly and they, they, they run it around and they can see an image of the child that is within you. I, I can imagine if there was some kind of back to the future type thing where you could do that in biblical times and ultrasound, the amazement uh, of what they would, nobody knew what was going on inside of the mother. But this angel did. I, I, I realized, as I say, angels, angels are a big part of Christmas and the decorations. And we're going to even have some angels show up at our church in the next week. And, um, and some of them may not be that angelic. I don't know. Uh, maybe they really need a good costume for them to pull it off because their actions show otherwise. But um, an angel is not that important of a position 
It's not this position of greatness. All it is, is a messenger. Uh, I think the thing that makes it so different from any, it, it's kind of like a mailman. Mailman, the importance of a mailman is just that we would get the mail. Nothing more than that. It's not their message. They don't write the letters. They don't fill the packages. They just hand it over. And that's what the angel's purpose was. But as you see the the amazing message, uh, I think the first thing that we can see is this, that there's going to be a son. There's going to be a son. Nobody knew those things prior to the baby being born in the times of Christ. And so this angel brings a message to Joseph as he says, this is the special child that has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. But he says, he will be a son. He'll be a son. As you think about that, uh, no one would have known that. No one would have known the 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 gender the gender of the the child. They would have not known whether it was going to be a boy or a girl. They they wouldn't have known and even seen in the vaguest of terms. But this angel brings it before them, and, and it, it's hard to imagine this because. It, it's history. It's history. He's the angel is speaking for, and, and the reason I say history, uh, everybody knows the score of the game that's been played last week, right? It's simple to look up. We know what happened, but as the angel shares this message from God, he's sharing a message that is completely accurate and trustworthy, and this is how it's going to happen. A son is going to be born. The second thing he shares with Joseph in verse 21 is that of his name. He says this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Why does the angel share this, this name? Well, in biblical times, almost always, they just took the name of their father. Uh, it would have been Joe Jr., right? They would have pointed to him and said, this, this will be my son. You know, if this is going to be my son, we'll just name him my name. We'll, we'll continue on. Possibly they would have taken another family name. They, they would have taken something in their family, but it would have been obvious. But what does the angel say? He says, I got a different name for you. His name is Jesus. Na- name him Jesus. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation or the Lord saves. And this would have been peculiar. Well, wh- why? You, you know, if he's going to be my son, if he's going to be part of our family, he should have my family name. And yet the angel says, no, we're going to go with the new name on this. A name that's different. Why do you name your kids the name that you have chosen? Why? What causes you to pick that out? I have a cousin who we were very close with and growing up and he had a son and he uh, he named his son Easton. And somebody asked him, why, uh, why, why do you name your kid Easton? And he said, well, I had a bat that had it was made by Easton and I really liked it. And I thought it was a cool name. And so I named my kid Easton. I come from a long line of shallow thinkers. I just want to tell you that long line. 
Easton. Most of the time when parents, they, they like the name, they like the name, but equated with their name is some kind of hope. Uh, maybe they have uh, an uncle that they like or uh, a family friend that they connect it with or a great man of history. And with the name brings a hope. Uh, Rebecca and I have been acquainted with kids in our kids' classrooms, classmates, and um, we've met a couple of kids named Angel. That was a, a name of hope, a name of hope. And at the point in time where we knew them, it was hope not yet realized, okay? Not even close, not even close. And so th- there can be names that don't necessarily equate with the person, Uh, Someone could have a great, powerful name and not be a powerful person. Someone could have a name that says something beautiful and not be someone whose life is beautiful. But this is totally different. Why? Because the angel has a message. Well, where's the message from? It's from God. The message is from God. And the name that this baby will have, Joseph, name him Jesus. Why? Because that's who he is. It's the name that connects perfectly because it's a message from the angel foretelling of what his life would be. This name uh, is a reminder of the character of God. And, And what about the character of God? That he's a God who saves. A God who saves. And so he gives him a name, the Lord saves, or Jehovah's salvation. As we consider that, this is the name the angel was telling him that the son would be. And, and as you consider why to rejoice over the baby that is born, it's because of who he is. It's a son, and not just a son. There's not just a reason to rejoice in a son being born. It's great. But that the son will be named Jesus As the angel continues to share, he says this. So there be a she'll bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and this is the reason why. For he will save his people. He will save his people. It's interesting because once again, he's foretelling of the history of Jesus and what he's going to do. This is absolutely accurate. It will come to pass. And he says, let me tell you about the son that Mary will give birth to. That one that is inside your wife, Mary. Let me tell you about her. That he, his life is going to have this single purpose. This incredible uh Mission, if you will, of Jesus' life will be what? To save his people. His life is a life that would save. His life is the life of the Savior. When you look at the history of our lives, uh, most of us like to think of ourselves as fairly focused and goal-driven. But the older you get... And as you look back at the history of your life, um, it's more uh, a history of fumblings and failings and the grace of God. 
uh, I had this great dream of becoming this one day and that fell apart and I got involved in this and this sin and God graciously pulled me back over and then I fumbled down this road and then I fumbled. And it's, it's God protecting and pulling us back. Jesus, his life, if you look at the history of his life, it sometimes looks like unrelated events. And yet, as you look at it, it's a driving toward the cross. That Jesus was born with the single purpose of being savior, saving his people. As you consider that this morning, um, we should be starting to get excited right now. We should be starting to understand the joy of what it is that this child is to be born. As new parents, as you look at your little baby in the hospital as they're born, you, you sometimes, if you get just a moment, uh, sometimes you look at your child and you say, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what they will be. I wonder what their life will be like. I wonder how their future will be. And Joseph had uh, the supernatural uh, picture of the angel saying, let me tell you what the son is going to be like. He's going to be the savior. That's what his life will amount to. Well, the last thing I want to point out in verse 21 is an important uh, detail that should not be overlooked that he was going to save his people from their sins, from their sins. This morning, if I were if I were to send you out and, and I just encourage you to the first person that you see, just to walk up to them and say this, you need to be saved. You need to be saved. If you would say that to me and I didn't know you, I would probably first thing I'd probably say is get away from me. Get away from me. And if I had some kind of conversation and you didn't look too freaky and I, I wanted to know more, I'd say, why? What are you talking about? Why do I need to be saved? I, you know, I, I have a house. I have a car, a couple cars. I uh, have some kids. I have money. I have relative health. I look at the future and I think that I'll be okay. Why do I need to be saved? And from what? I feel very comfortable who I am and what I'm doing. And yet, the angel had a message from God to Joseph. And he said, look, this son that's to be born, call him Jesus because he's going to be the Savior. He's going to save his people. He's going to save them from their sins. Um, I talk about this from time to time. I think I talked about it in the last month about how awful families are. Sinful world, sinful dad, sinful mom. They have sinful offspring. Oh, yeah, sinful grandparents, too. Okay, and that's how difficult it is. And sometimes when we look at Jesus and why, why he came and we, we watch the news and we say, oh, yeah, uh, you know, Jesus came because this world is so sinful. I, I want to point something out that the angel said. 
as he really came to save the world. But specifically, what sins was he covering in verse 21? Their sins, their sins. It was a personal thing. It wasn't that the world's a bad place and we just kind of we're going to save all this world because all these things are just a sinful world. He says, forget about the sinful world. I'm talking about specific sins of sinners. This is why Jesus came for their sins. I want to also say this. um, He just came to fix sin. He just came to fix sin. Um, Sometimes we look at all the ailments in the world, all the things, the trials and the tribulation, and we think that Jesus came to make everything nice. He did not. He did not. He, he, you know, you, you may look at your life right now and you say, man, there's, there's a couple of messes that I'm waiting that, that Jesus should just fix. Uh, he may not fix your health. He may not fix your health. Uh, we all struggle in many ways and, and all of us are going to die at one time. That's most, that's how this life will end unless the Lord returns. We'll die. And chances are, um, we might get sick and then we die. Okay. And you say, well, what would Jesus do for that? He didn't come to eradicate sickness. Some of you here this morning, you think about your finances and you go, you know, I just never have enough money. We got this, we got that. It's just a struggle. And Jesus needs to come and fix my finances. I want to tell you, he may not. He may not. They may get worse. They may get worse. Some of you say, well, my family relationships and uh, the things, the relationships, Jesus may not fix those. But his purpose in coming was for a huge one. For the sins of men and women. People. Uh, As you think about this this morning, this is the most important need that those people had. Joseph had it. You know, as he thought about his own life, undoubtedly he was a righteous man, but there were sins that marked his life. He needed a savior. His, His mom did too. His mom did too. Mary, she had sins. There are things in her heart. There were things that she did. There were things that she said that were sinful. She needed a savior. As you think about the people in that day, they struggled with many things, many different uh, prideful things, selfish, greedy things, uh, evil in their heart. They struggled. But Jesus was the one who came to deal with their sins. It was the most important thing that Jesus could do. And you've already made the connection, most of you, but it's your most important need that you need today. That your sins would be covered, taken care of, forgiven. Let me share with you just briefly the gospel, the message that we would trust in and believe in. Jesus, as we speak of him, the baby came, a sinless birth, a sinless life. And he grew to be a man. And in his growing, in his life, he remained sinless, sinless perfection in every way. 
Then as he became a man, he gave his life. He was crucified, giving his life for sinners like you and me. We were guilty, sinful men who could not pay, who could not eradicate, who could not cleanse ourselves from our own sin. And Jesus took our place as he died on the cross, being crucified, but giving his life so that we might live. Jesus spoke to a woman who was struggling with the death of her brother, family member. And Jesus said these words to him in John chapter 11. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked this important question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This morning, I want to ask you that same question. Do you believe that Jesus is the one, the one where life is found in? As you think about this this morning, this belief is not just simply saying you believe or the details, but trusting in him, trusting your life to him. That your works are not good enough. That your sins are many. Some people think that Santa came up with the list thing. No way. God knows every one of our sins prior to the... Uh, prior to Santa. I'll just leave it at that for those of you who still believe. Um, every one of our sins needs to be taken care of. And apart from what Jesus did in coming, living, and dying on the cross, being risen from the dead, unless we believe in Him, unless we allow Him to pay and take our place, we have no life. This is the reason that we should rejoice at the birth of Jesus, knowing who He is. Do you like gifts? Everyone other than Rob is getting nothing this year. Nothing, because you did not respond properly. Gifts matter, don't they? Do you get happy when you get gifts? Some of you are still being slow about this. Too cool for school, huh? If I gave you a gift and you opened it up, and it was a candy cane. You'd be pretty excited, wouldn't you? Some of you go, nah. Candy canes, you know, they're 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 nice and everything, but I'm not really into the peppermint thing, you know. That's not my. If it was chocolate, maybe we could maybe we can get some progress on getting the excitement level, right? But a candy cane, nostalgia, yeah, all that stuff, it's cute and everything. But I'd say, oh, the thought, it's a nice thought. As you think about the gifts, the, the gifts that matter, uh, I lost my other prop. What if I uh, gave you a gift and um, and it was a new-to-you car? Would you be excited? A 2005 Saturn View. 
needs little TLC, a little TLC. Okay, just a little. But it runs, it runs. Pretty good gas mileage. Candy cane or the... Some of you would be excited about that. Give me a car. I've never gotten a car for Christmas either. I just want to tell you that. Maybe this year. I don't know. I don't know what people are getting me. Be exciting. Most of us would be a little bit more excited than the candy cane, uh, a car over a candy cane. Well, what if I gave you another uh, scenario, another gift? So Sunday morning or uh, uh, not Sunday morning, but Christmas morning, you're, you're with your family, your whole family. Uh, which might be pretty exciting in and of itself. But you get your whole family there, and all of them are there. Your kids, grandkids, uh, you know, the, the, the family is there. And I knock on your door, or a man knocks on your door, nice man, nothing about a beard or anything. But he knocks on your door, and he says, I got a gift for you. And it's a, it's a piece of paper, and it says, write down, write down all your debts. Write down all your debts. And you say, get away from me. I don't want to talk to some weirdos talking to me about it. No, no, no. Write down all your debts. And not just your debts, but your whole family's debts. Every one of them. You start with the credit cards. And you write down all the credit cards. And then uh, student loans. Student loans. You write down all the student loans. The full, full value. Not, not just the monthly payments, but the big number. Write it down. Write down all the debts that you have to family members or friends. Write down your your full mortgage, the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, okay? Write them all down. And then in Excel spreadsheet sort of formula, we tally up the bottom number, and there's the big number of all your debt. The nice man says, I'll take care of it all. It's gone. Would you be excited? I'd be very excited. I'd be pumped. I might even squeal, okay? It'd be that exciting. I know some of you, that was a graphic that you didn't want to live with, right? Uh, that would be exciting. That would be exciting. You, you understand, don't you? That your excitement or the joy that gifts bring you, it matters on what they are. Candy canes are nice. Cars are better. All your debts removed. That'd be amazing. How about all your sins taken away? All your sins taken away. When I say that, um, some of you say, well, I don't know what all my sins were. Uh, You know, you say, oh, I'm getting older. I sometimes forget. And you use that forgetfulness to your advantage when it comes to your own sins. But, But what I want to tell you is, All your sins taken care of. The relief, the joy, the feeling of freedom that would come with that would be, uh, there would be no match. There's nothing you could match to the joy of knowing that all your sins are taken care of. This morning, this is the message of Jesus. As we consider him at Christmas, And we consider his birth. We realize that his birth was not just the birth of a baby boy. But it was what he came to do. That he would be the one named uh, for being a savior. But but not just being named for it. But that that's his purpose. That he would come. That he would be the one to save them from their sins. 
This is what we need, each one of us. This is what should fill a sinner's heart with joy as we celebrate Christmas. Let me pray for us. Before before I do, I just want to encourage you, if you do not have a Savior, uh, you don't have a relationship with Christ, I encourage you to come. I'd love to speak with you and talk with you more about where you are with Him. Um, this is the only way for your sins to be taken care of is for you to trust in Jesus. Uh, I'd love to talk you through that. God, thank you this morning uh, for the uh, message of your son. God, we are all needy um, when it comes to the cross. Lord, I ask that you would work in our hearts and lives now. That as we consider uh, this season, that we would rejoice in sins being forgiven for us personally. God, thank you for your love for us, that you loved us that much that you would send your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.